Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. The only thing that would be better was adding a third service. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I prefer one, um, but two is here, and I'm banking on God doing some stuff um, by us making available another time slot and a little bit more room in the room. So we are doing this series. It's a kind of a non-series. When we're not doing a series, I do this thing called Living Jesus is Greater. Uh, We encourage uh, people in our church to read the one-year Bible. Not that you have to read that, but if you are looking for a reading plan to step into, we actually have free one-year Bibles on the guest services table. You can grab one of those on the way out. And if you read the date um, and read with us uh, every Sunday, I'm going to preach out of something that you read that week, potentially in the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, and Proverbs. Um, Last week, I preached out of Galatians, and this week, I'm going to be in Galatians again, this time in Galatians 6. But here's what I want to talk about this morning. We need each other. And I know for all the independent people in the room who feel like, no, I don't. Um, I disagree with you. Um, and and let, me, let me take it from an external and then take it um, into the internal, into the spiritual. Um, it isn't easy to live life without the assistance of other people. And some of you may be going, I do it all the time. Well, you don't really. Um, you are benefited, you, are, you directly are benefited every week from the work of other people. And let me explain that. If you consume anything made, or grown, you have benefited from the work of others. I mean, could you imagine if you were really isolated and everything that you needed to exist and to know and to have, you had to do on your own? It would be overwhelming. You couldn't do it. And if you're like me that have deer that have access to your backyard, you couldn't grow anything other than what they eat (laughs) off your plants. Uh, We have this great... Um, cucumber plant. I mean, it was growing. We had put this barrier to keep them out. And like we harvested a cucumber off this thing. My daughter who planted it, she was so excited. We thought we had rescued our plants from the deer. And guess what? They saw those leaves and destroyed it. The next, like two mornings later, there was not a leaf on this plant. But we need other people in our life. And I just want to say that uh, if you're in church and, and you're wanting to be benefited fully by what the church offers, part of that is a relational connection to other people. And some of you have already jumped in to small groups that are going on. And, and you're beginning, I think, to see the benefit of having other people in your life, which is what we're going to talk about today. So if it's important and it makes our life much easier to have other people, you know, make our clothes. If we didn't like, I sewed this last night, weaved it, got the cotton, got all the other stuff. Um, It is so much more beneficial for our spiritual life to have people involved. 
Um, but I will say, just to be 100% transparent, people also complicate things. So I understand why sometimes you're like, I just want to be alone. <clears throat> but we're going to talk about, I think the text today is going to talk about our need, and the section here is called Shared Burdens. We're going to talk about this need to share our burdens, but there's a lot of information talking about the person and how we should prepare ourselves to share the burdens of others. So before we get into the Word, let's pray. Oh, Father... Um, I know we've prayed, I know we've worshipped, I know we've lifted your name, but before I get into your word, I just want to ask uh, that you would speak, um, that as your word is written, uh, that you would convict hearts, that you would motivate us to put the work in long term, uh, to love people into your kingdom, to encourage people, um, even at times in love, to confront others. Um, so, Lord, I pray that you would prepare us to hear your word, uh, that you would use me um, today to encourage us to be the church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're reading the one your Bible or you took my challenge from last week and read the rest of Galatians, you read what we're going to talk about today. The book of Galatians, uh, if you weren't here and don't know anything about it, it was a, a letter written to a church that was started in modern-day Turkey. And what had happened is the gospel had reached it, and the church had Jews and Gentiles in it that were worshiping. They had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit had moved in them. There was no doubt that the Gentiles loved Jesus, were a part of the family. Well, outsiders, these Judaizers that wanted them to live under the law, that they had to be circumcised, they had to do these things to also embrace Jesus. They wanted, they wanted Jesus, but they wanted Jesus plus. They wanted you to have Jesus, but they also wanted you to do all these other things. And the book of Galatians, if you read it from beginning to end, is Paul dealing with these people that are coming in and maligning the gospel. And he very, very harshly deals with them over again. Right before this, he actually asked for those who um, were trying to get people to embrace circumcision that they should go on ahead and completely emasculate themselves, which I think is just hilarious. This in the Bible, like, just don't just a little bit, just take it off. Just, you know, that's literally Paul is like, okay, you, you want, just go, you, go ahead, go ahead, take it, take it all the way off. And so right before we get into this, and I think this is what the book of Galatians is really about. Galatians 5.1, it says, for freedom Christ has set us free. That's what he wants. What he wants for you is not to be trapped in sin that robs your joy and your faith away from you, that, that beats you up, and, and the shame that comes with that. He wants you to be free and then he says, continuing on in that verse, he says, Stand for firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery, whether it be to the law or to sin. See, our freedom comes from Jesus' finished work on the cross and learning to live with and through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, we were not meant to get the information and to, to manage it on our, on our own. Jesus came and died for our sins 
to start a relationship with us, gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit so that we can live in community with him right now, right here. See, now Paul's going to share the responsibility. I think this is what this section is about. Paul's going to share the responsibility with the church locally, not just him writing the letter, but he's going to share the responsibility with the church and the people in the church. So we're going to pick this up. We're going to do 10 verses, um, starting in Galatians 6, 1, and going through verse 10. And I'm going to read each verse and kind of talk about what's going on. And, and hopefully at the end of this, we kind of catch the idea of what our responsibility is to be burden bearers for other people, but also taking serious things that are going on in our life. So starting in verse 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Lots of stuff going on there. Call or overtaken, depending on what translation read, wrote or read out of, um, brought sin by surprise or temptation. So this isn't necessarily just someone that's like, I don't care, I'm going to do whatever I want. This is most likely written to the church who is trying to love Jesus but are falling into old patterns, all old way of life, and I don't think there's anyone in this room that's like, I have overcome it all, and I, 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 I bounce from cloud to cloud. We, we are all in this together, and I think that's what Paul is saying, that we who are striving to love Jesus, we need to be very careful, not only of the things that we can fall into, but we need to uh, be aware of what's going on in other people's lives, and I will say, this is not something you do with someone you don't know. So regardless of how spiritual you are or how gentle you are, if you don't know someone, and take this church, this is why we want you in community group, because we want you to know someone. We want you to get into a relationship that this is a potential of something that can happen, and maybe that terrifies you. You're like, that's why I'm not going to small group. <laughs> but, but this is why, and if, if you're walking down the road or you're in Walmart or you're in somewhere else and you see someone say or do something, even if they're wearing a church shirt or have I love Jesus on them, it is probably not your job to correct their sin. If you feel that it is your job to fix everybody's sin, you're going to have a very miserable life. Because one, you cannot fix everyone's sin. But you have to have relationships. I, I'm a big proponent. I, I, got, I met Jesus. Um, I grew up in church, but I met Jesus through a parachurch organization called Young Life, which parachurch just means it was not by, owned or run by a denomination. It was outside of that. And their big thing that they did is they, you earn the right to be heard. You, it, is, it is relational ministry. And I'm a big proponent I want to know as many people in this room as possible so that I know you enough to when I see something that I can say, hey, brother or sister, like this is probably not good for you. And I like that. And that's what's going on here. He's telling the church because he's just spent the last five chapters dealing with bad theology. And then he's saying, hey, guys, I need you to help me by lovingly um, confronting other people. But there's a lot of things going on here. So the word restore, later it says you who are spiritual. And so this, he's going to deal with who's spiritual in just a second. But the idea here is that you love Jesus and you want the best for someone else. Not that you just want them to not do whatever that is or be as holy as you are. 
But this idea of restore, uh, and I won't try to pronounce, I have a hard time with English words, I won't pronounce the uh, Greek word that this is, but it, it means to set in joint. So what happens is we fall in or caught in or overtaken by a sin, we get out of joint. It's like your shoulder being out of socket. Now, a shoulder out of socket, which I've not had this, but I've, I've seen people, you can still have some functionality. Like you can still, it hurts, but you can still move your fingers. You could probably do stuff, but you don't want to be like that. You don't want your shoulder, you want your shoulder to be in socket so that it works. Because if it's in line or in joint, then you have capacity to do what it should be doing. And, and many of us, I just want to say this. Many of us are living our life with sin in this capacity of like having our arm out of socket and we're feeling like, yeah, we're doing all that we can. Life is great and I can worship with this hand over this area. And and God's saying, hey, I want to restore you because I want to place that back in socket. I want to get it back in joint. This spiritual of gentleness, and I wrote in here, it says, not like the street preacher. And this is one reason I said you should have relationships with people that you're doing this with. Standing on the corner, and, and you may have gotten saved by that, so I'm, I'm not saying that that's from the pit of hell and you should never do that. But, like, I don't think it works very well. Um, I don't think standing at a college campus, I don't, I'm not talking about debating, and having conversations. I think there's a great place for that. But I'm talking about standing on the corner, and then, and I've seen them. You've probably seen videos of people saying, that dress and that shirt, and you sinners are fornicating. Start yelling at people. Most people aren't going, yes, that's me. How must I be saved? They're like, this is why I don't like the church. In the spirit of gentleness, this idea of meekness that we want to gently restore when we confront people about things that we see in their life we want to do it with a grace and a grace that we understand because we've also been in the position that god has restored us over and over again philippians 2 3 it says do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit but in humility Count others more significant than yourself. It's this idea of having a heart that I want to see them restored, not just corrected. I want restoration for them, not just for them to figure out that they were wrong. Paul writes to spiritual people, telling them to bear the burdens of others. And then he spends the next few verses that we're going to go through warning the same people against the danger of their own pride. So you have this one verse, hey, um, you who are spiritual, if you, you know someone that's caught in a sin, restore them gently. And then he's going to basically spend the next three verses <laughs> dealing with the person that's going to do that. It's going to make sure they understand that it is by grace that they are even having the capacity to speak truth into other people. And then here at the end of verse 1 it says, and keep watch over yourself lest you be tempted too. I think sometimes, and most of us are out of this age, but um, if you were saved in high school or college before you were married, um, I I just want to say this, if you're in this category, um, dating evangelism usually doesn't work. Because we think, hey, I love the Lord. I'm going to bring this very attractive 
whatever, into the Lord. And then what usually happens, and he's saying here, he said we can be very careful as we try to restore other people that we don't fall into the same thing. And some of that has to deal with our pride. 1 Corinthians has the same thing, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. It says, therefore, if anyone thinks that he stands... Um, take heed lest he fall. Other translation, it says, be careful when you think you stand on solid ground that you do not fall. We need to live in this place, and this is what these verses that we're going to go through are going to talk about, that we're rightly weighing our own hearts. Um, Verse 2, it says, bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. A burden... Anything that threatens to crush the joy of our faith. There's so many things. Some of them are big where we're like, man, we really need to deal with this. And some of them are little heart issues. For parents out there, I I think this is the the hardest part that we have to deal with. Because there's so many little things that are going on (laughs) that we have to try to lovingly help them in every single one of them. I'm going to try to do my best to explain this idea of the law of Christ. The law of Christ is talking about what are, what are we under? So the Mosaic law, not completely, but this is the feel of it, has this idea of like you'll do the right things so that it will change your heart. You'll, you'll do the law, the 600 and some laws, you'll do these things and it'll shape and mold your heart. And not to say that that doesn't work at all, But it usually doesn't work that way. The law of Christ is that Christ captures your heart and he begins to shape your actions. Christianity has to work from the inside out. Like I cannot say, here are the ten things that you do externally and it will change you. It will make you into a good person. It may make you into a good person in the view of other people. But if you don't deal with what's going on inside, nothing's changed. So the idea of the law of Christ is is Christ was asked uh, in a conversation. He said, what's the greatest command? They wanted to trap him and get him in trouble for saying something wrong. And he tells them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and love others as yourself. And he's like the the sum and the totality of all the law and the prophets are, are rounded up into these two things. The law of Christ is us loving God and loving others. Um, chapter 15, this isn't going to be on the screen, chapter 15, verse 4, it says, The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor. See, what he's trying to deal with, we don't correct people out of any other thing than because we love them. And we don't want them to be out of joint. We want them to be whole. We want them to be free. Ezekiel talks about this. Um, I think it's in chapter 37, where he literally, and this is the picture of the New Testament gospel. He gives this picture of these hard-hearted people, and he said, I will remove your heart of stone, and I will replace it with a heart of flesh, so that you can obey. That's what we're talking about here, and that's what he's dealing with, that if we bear one another's burdens, we are fulfilling the law of Christ, because we're loving them. The most loving thing that we can do is confront other people's sin issues, but we have to do it correctly. See, what he's up against in Matthew 23, verse 4, 
He's talking about the Pharisees. And this was the complaint that was going on. He says, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So they basically are like, you got to do this, you got to do this, but they do nothing relationally. They do nothing with them to help reduce that. And this is what he's trying to get us to do in this love. Look at this through this lens. It says, through faith, God supplies the Spirit of Christ. Galatians 3, 5. Through the Spirit, we produce the fruit of love. Galatians 5, 22. And through love, we fulfill the law of Christ. Chapter, um, uh, chapter 6, verse 2. Therefore, if we trust Him, we will fulfill the law of love. You will devote yourself to lifting the burdens of other people. Verse 3. If anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. So this, this seems a little confusing And the next verse. Verse 5, because we just talked about sharing our burdens. And verse 5 says, and each one will bear his own load. And I want to explain that. He's dealing with this idea that if we're going to lovingly correct and restore people, then we need to make sure that we aren't thinking that we're doing awesome because of the sinfulness of others. Sometimes we look at ourselves and go, man, I'm doing great. Because you look on social media and you look on the news and you're like, I'm not that guy and I'm not this guy and like I don't have these problems, but we ignore what's going on inside of our heart. See, we have to own our own actions and behaviors. We have to know our own heart. And this is why I encourage you, the, your small groups encourage you, and the Bible studies that you were in, we encourage you to be in the Word because the Word is what? exposes these things. As we read, like Galatians, when he talks about the sins of the flesh, when we look at those things and we see some of those things, fits of anger, we see some of those things in us and we're like, oh man, there's something that needs to happen inside of me. And we need to stop comparing our goodness to other sinfulness. Before we can carry others' burdens, we have to own our own. Back to verse 5, like I said, already. For each will have to bear his own load. Every one of us will have to give an account before the Father for our own actions. Romans 2, 6 says, He will render to each one according to his works. Another place in the New Testament says, We will be held accountable for every careless word. Like... The reason why we can, with love and gentleness, correct and love other people is because we are aware of our own things. We're aware of what God is actively working on in us. And we understand in this idea that at the end of this, God isn't going to judge me based on my goodness level compared to the world. He's going to judge me based on His holiness. And my sin. And this is why, and don't be afraid of that, this is why we need Jesus. This is why the law didn't work, because the law could not make me into a person that is acceptable for God. It was Jesus and his redemption for 
me. Verse 6. It says, Let everyone who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. You're like, what is he talking about? Well, if you give anything financially to reach, you are living out this text. Your giving allows me the time to invest in study and discipleship as my full-time job. And all the other things that we do here at this church are being funded by what you give. And what he's saying here, um, and this is not to shame or to guilt you. I'm just trying to praise those who are like, hey, I'm investing in you. Because I want to say this, that when you give to reach, um, not only do you allow me to prepare and be here for Sunday morning and be available during the week to meet with people and disciple people, but you also fund ministries every year. Last year, I think we wrote $24,000 worth of checks to local ministries here that are doing things from feeding the homeless to sheltering the homeless to doing drug rehabilitation to Lifeline Pregnancy Center. Like Your funding is helping the gospel be heard, seen, and experienced. See, and you're not just investing in that. You're investing, your investment is every single person that gets benefited. If you hear, or if you're here at this church, and your life is better because of what God has done in you through our ministry, if you gave, that is part of your treasure. That's part of, I think, your reward of what God's doing. And so why is it important? Why is it important that we invest not only in correcting other people, but investing in the church? Verse 7. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whoever... (laughs) These are painful words, I'm just going to say, and I'm going to regurgitate these with um, Romans 8. It says almost the same thing. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. And for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. This is why we are talking about this. The reason why we want to help people confront them and, and, and get them back in alignment is because this isn't just about like being better people. This is about eternal life. This is about a God who rescues and redeems even the most broken and damaged people. Because we have to know, you have to know, that your, 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 what you sow, you will reap. And for those who have been married long enough, let me just say it this way. How you've invested in your spouse, you're getting what you've invested. Maybe that's painful to hear. Uh, and if you want a, a swifter kick in the teeth, I think you should read Sacred Marriage, a book we, I just finished with a group of guys. Um, Gary Thomas, you should, it's like a 20-year-old book. Um, it, marriage is the one thing that God shapes us with, but we see it with our relationships. What we invest, If I invest in the flesh, if I'm like, hey, I want what I want, and I'm going to do what I want, then we usually get <laughs> what we get. But when we invest in the Spirit, when we spend our life dedicating ourselves as best we can to the things of God, learning to live in the vine with Him, learning to abide with Him so that we can experience His fullness. Uh, Romans 8 says this almost same thing. Which if you didn't know this, Romans 
chapter 8 is probably my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. There's so much in it. But here in verse 13 it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So this is what the cost of getting this wrong is. This isn't, like we don't just do church because like we're in the South and it's what you do on Sunday. We do church because this is eternal life. And our hope and why we preach the Word of God is because we want you to know that He is worth everything. He is worth all the suffering that you can have for the rest of your life. He is worth it. Verse 9, this is a good verse um, if you're looking to add to the list of verses that you memorize. Um, chapter 6, verse 9, 9 is one of those, in my opinion. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Weigh this off of verse 8, that this is about eternal life, and this is why we don't give up. And when I said with people, it is complicated. One of the hardest things that we'll deal with with people that we're close to is they will hurt and wound us. And we'll not want to be nice to them because they've not been nice to us. And then we have to constantly be taken before the Father and realize that we were that to Jesus. We weren't nice to him. He, he didn't give us eternal life because he looked at us and said, those are good people. I want them to have this. That while we were still centered, he died for us to offer us life with him. And the reason why we don't grow weary and we don't give up because in a season we will reap. And I wish, I wish I could promise you if, if, if you were just to pour into this person, whoever this is, and don't give it up that you'll get exactly what you think you should get out of it. And I, I can't promise you that. Life is hard, but I can tell you that your investment in a person will never be for nothing. Especially when it's motivated out of love for God. And that's the hard part. Because some of this we'll have to do over and over again. Some of you have had friends and you, like Peter, are going to God and go like, hey, God, like how many times do I have to forgive? And you'll be like Peter and be like, seven? Because he's thinking, man, I'm giving him a high number. I look really spiritual. And he's like, 70 times seven. And Peter's like, what? Some of that, and this is why we have, that's why he had those verses after our confrontation. Because if we have our heart right, and I'm not saying it will not hurt us, but I'm saying when we go to someone and they reject us or they don't want to have anything to do with us or they don't want to listen to us and we leave that feeling like, man, and they probably, if you've ever done this, um, you've probably heard some nice words spoken back to you. You've probably been confronted about what they think about you in not so nice language. And that's why we have to leave that and go back and say, God, I want to love people. Like one, one of the words I felt like I got before we moved here to plant this church, um, I was reading through the Gospels, and I was reading through this story of um, Job, not Job, um, Judas. 
you've been here for a while, you've heard me say this, but I think it's worth saying again. Um, when Jesus was going to be betrayed, um, or betrayed by Judas, he has this conversation with all of the guys. And so if you've read the Bible and been in the Bible for a while, the whole time you're reading the Gospels, you're like, Jesus. If you're watching The Chosen, you're like, Jesus. You know what you're going to do? No one, no one. Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And they're all like, is it I? Is it I? They weren't like, oh, yes, Judas. Judas. I told you that guy. I knew we didn't trust him. I saw him put that $20 bill in his pocket that one time. Because Judas was stealing money from the church. None of them knew. And I felt like I was reading that. And I just felt like before we moved here, before we planted the church, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, there will be people that will betray you and will hurt you. There will be Judases in your life. But you cannot allow a Judas to ruin your ability to interact with the next person that probably isn't Judas. See, there's people that are going to look very similar to people that have rejected you, very similar to those people that you don't want to have anything to do with, but you have no idea what Peter is waiting to be Peter instead of being treated like a Judas. I mean, all the disciples, were they were mess-ups. I mean, some of them were like, hey, Lord, this town rejected you. Do you want us to call down fire? Like, like, I don't know about you, but I've never been that confident to the Lord. Lord, they rejected you. Murder them all. Like, does that sound very Christian? The whole town. The whole town. Lord. And, and what made them think in their brain, this is, were they trying this at night? They're like, and they saw some stuff come into the atmosphere. Oh, yeah, we have the power to call down fire. I I don't know. I don't know. They didn't. See, we have to stay connected to the vine. We have to stay connected to the Father. We have to stay under the influence of the Holy Spirit so that we can live this out, so that we don't grow weary in doing good. Because doing good, when you don't feel that you're getting something back, is exhausting. I, I wrote down this quote. One of the worst enemies of enthusiasm is time. Because <laughs> you start something new, like people, if you've been saved recently or you can remember when that happened, you were, you were probably like, can I talk to you about Jesus? Like you were just excited about it. You're like, man, I'm getting baptized. You're telling everybody. And as time goes on, that enthusiasm wanes because life is happening. We can't do that. We cannot give up. Because our mission is too important. Verse 10, it says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are in the household of faith. So some of this is us loving on people outside of the church. I think the correction mostly is to people inside the body. Because you can't really correct somebody on a sin they don't even believe is a sin. You have to introduce them to a Savior that exposes all these things. But for us in here, we have to be willing, out of what God will do for us, to allow people to speak into us. And this goes really well with what we talked about two weeks ago. That idea that you know sometimes we have to say painful words. Sometimes pain brings good. So here's a couple of questions for you. 
burden, going back to that. Anything that threatens to crush your joy of your faith. So here's the first question. What is threatening that joy? What unconfessed, unrepentant sin? You don't have to say it, write it. You can just think it. The beauty of the Holy Spirit, he does work in us, in here, in the middle of this crowd. Because God wants you to be in joint. He wants that shoulder to be in socket. He wants you to have joy of your faith. But you cannot, you, we cannot sit and abide in him while we're willfully, willingly embracing sin. Like it isn't damaging us. So that's your first one. Your other one is tied very closely to it. It says, what burdens are you living under? And are you willing to reach out to somebody for help? I think one of the hardest things to do, and this is why relationally I want you to get connected to people in community groups because then you have relationship. It's difficult. If right now you're like, I'm burdened so much, like I don't even know what to do, I'm, I can't sleep at night, I don't know what's going on, um, and, and you may be going like, I don't know anybody in here, and it is potentially awkward to be like, I'm about to unload on you in the morning. Like, here's what's going on. And the beauty of it is we have our prayer team that will be here in service afterwards. They would love to pray with you about some of the things that are going on. And will they fix it all in the three or four minutes that they may have with you at the end of the service? No. But, but when we bring things to the light, the power of darkness doesn't get to have control anymore. Like, don't stay in that place. And here's my last question. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. How can you help carry others' burdens? So, <clears throat> potentially, there are things going on in your life where you're like, I need to work on that, I need to work on that. But also, potentially, there may be people around you that just need you. They need a Barnabas. Barnabas... Um, was one of the disciples or one of the apostles, one of the early um, guys. He was the encourager. Like we need those people that will believe in us in spite of how we believe about ourselves. And that may be part of your story. That may be part of you carrying a burden. That may mean, hey, I'm your friend and I'm here with you through this. That may mean, hey, it may take time out of your schedule to invest in someone else. That may mean that you go to some of these great ministries that are around here, like Celebrate Recovery, depending on what is going on. So how can you help carry others? There's an um, animated movie that, if you haven't watched it, it's worth watching. It's called Meet the Robinsons. It's pretty old now, I guess. 15 years old. It's about this kid who was an inventor and everything he invented broke didn't work and he didn't have a family he was uh, um, an orphan and his future son which i'm ruining the movie for you sorry comes and kidnaps him in a time machine takes him to the future and he sees his family that he didn't know is his family and because everything he, he's trying he wants to be loved he wants to be accepted um and he has a conversation with his future self, and he's kind of like, how, how, did, how did you get here? 
And he had this phrase, and I loved it. When I was a youth pastor, he used to say this all the time. Just keep moving forward. Uh, in that book that I recommended you to read, Sacred Marriage, there's a whole chapter that's talking about falling forward. You know, some of the best thing that you can do, because you will fail, you will fall, fall forward. And then when you fall forward, get back up. Some of us, you just need to hear right now, just keep moving forward. Like this isn't going to be pretty, it isn't going to be perfect, but walking in obedience with Jesus is the most important thing that you can do with your life. Because everything else is going to fade away. Every treasure that you've built, collected, will be given to someone else. But for eternity, the work of the Spirit will last in other people. So one of the most investing things that we can do is in our soul so that we can help other people. So what I'd like to do, we will have our prayer team around afterwards if you want people to pray for you. Maybe you're not ready for that. Um, the next tier down on that, still get the prayer, but maybe not the discomfort of having a conversation, is on the back of your chair. We have these prayer cards. If there's things, if there's a burden, you don't even have to put your name. This could be step one of just going, this is what's going on. You can leave it unnamed, and you can have our prayer team begin to pray for you. Don't, go, don't grow weary in doing good because in a due season you will reap. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm thankful that you have grace and mercy. I'm thankful that you continue to work with and through us. And Lord, we just first acknowledge that uh, none of these things are possible without you. We can't act out the law of Christ without knowing you. Without you and your power living inside of us. So Lord, we don't want to be out of joint. Lord, we, we, we want to be fully functioning free believers in you. And so, Lord, I pray for whether it be big or small, the sin, that in, the transgressions that we've been overtaken by are caught in. Lord, I pray that you would help us walk in freedom. And, Lord, I, I pray that we would be the burden bearers for other people. That out of our freedom, that ministry of reconciliation that you've given us, that you would make us ministers of reconciliation. Let us be the firstborn of your children to continue the legacy that you've started in us. Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for uh, just the freedom to come in here and worship and hear your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.